up, man? Like, welcome to the Football Attic Podcast. Yeah, we're kidding, lad. It's number 18, isn't it? Because we have done like 17 before this, and that makes this number 18 because I was like good at maths and ting. <laughs> oh, that's what happens if you do that voice just before you start recording. Hello, all, and welcome to the Football Attic Podcast, number 18, because we've done 17, and 17 plus 1 equals 18, and I am good at maths and ting. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Um, so, hello, it's me, Rich Johnson, half of the Football Attic. And who's the other half? It's Chris Oakley. Here he is. Hello, hello. How's it going, everyone? I don't think they're going to reply. No, no, no. I'll just assume that they've just sort of said, you know, <laughs> you don't want to know about my life. I think they have said the it is wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. This oh, is what it. happens when I'm on presenting duties, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. How are uh, you, Chris? Well, not too bad, thanks. You know, the usual aches and pains of being a 42-year-old, um, which, uh, you know, I won't bother boring you with. But apart from that, life is life is good. Thanks very much. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, apart from the aches and pains of being a not-yet 40-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, once you cross that line, tell you, you're going to get some hell then. Don't worry, I have the body of a 70-year-old already. It's, it's it's in the loft. <laughs> oh, anyway, right. Well, anyway, so quickly moving on from all this frivolity, uh, the topic of today's podcast is World Cup top threes. Because I don't know if you know, but there's a World Cup pretty soon. Unless you're listening to this after the World Cup, in which case there's one in about another four years. Um, and unless you're listening to it about a year after the World Cup, so this is three years. Or if you're listening to it two years after the World Cup. Yeah, all right, anyway, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, so yeah, Moving so on. we thought we would, uh, in in celebration of the World Cup, uh, we would we would rather than just do a World Cup memories one because we've done one of those before. Uh, we thought we'd actually centre it around our top threes. So obviously, as usual, we put out um, requests on Facebook and Twitter and had a a massive response. So thank you to all. Uh, we'll try and read them all out later, but uh, for the time being, we're going to concentrate on on mine and Chris's top threes. Um, and I think what we've done is we've just basically covered the ones that we actually saw live. So I, I personally haven't bothered with like 82 or 78 because I'm not old enough to have watched those when they happened, unlike someone else. Uh, <laughs> so so moving on to the old man, uh, Chris, go on then. <laughs> what were your top threes from 1954? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this fashion at the time. It was kind of like these big chunky socks that you pull up. No, no, no. Um, I'm going to start with 82, if that's all right with you. That's fine with uh, me. Because as mentioned in previous podcasts, 78 was a bit, just a bit too early for me. I didn't really kind of, wasn't aware of that very much at the time when it happened. So, 1982, that's kind of where it all started for me. So, um, my three choices, my, my top three kind of memories, really. Uh, one of which I've mentioned before on, I think it was um, podcast number five, was it? When we did the um, sort of World Cup memories before. Um, Brian Robson's. 27 second goal against France um just staggering really um I mean I wasn't even aware I was probably only about 10 going on 11 at the time I wasn't even aware of the fact that England hadn't really been in a World Cup since 1970 but um all I knew was that I was I'd I'd been kind of following football for a few years and 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 here was England we were at this World Cup thing and um Bob's your uncle 27 seconds in this amazing goal and and everyone's going crazy and going nuts about it and because people basically didn't score goals 27 seconds into a game, it was the, the, the bottom line, really. And um, suddenly there was this thing of like, well, we, England seemed to now be the, uh, the, 
record holders in this respect. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about doing anything else, boys. <laughs> You've done it's, your work. It's the perfect definition of a false dawn, I believe. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's, look up false dawn in a dictionary. It says, see Brian Robson, 1982. <laughs> um, but it was a really good goal, actually. It was um, you know, flicked on from a, he- from a throw on and everything. And um, yes, good finish. So that was good. Um, staying with the British theme. In fact, all three of these have got a British theme. Um, second one, David Nery's goal for Scotland to put them 1-0 up against Brazil, which is also <laughs> under the term false dawn in a dictionary. Um, because Scotland, being Scotland went on to lose four. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. We're um, not going too far down the Scotland. Well, I think we might have to, actually. <laughs> um, but that, that David Neary goal is still one of my favourites. It's just, it's a beautifully taken goal. And what I loved about it and still love about it is it's basically a Brazilian goal scored against Brazil. I mean, just scoring at all against Brazil is, is, is a big enough achievement, but to actually hit a ball the way he did and for it to fly up into the top right-hand corner, just keep a no chance. I just thought, what an amazing goal. If that was, it's a classic sort of cliche really, but if that was a Brazilian who'd scored that goal, we'd all be raving about it. And I just thought, what a great goal that was. So that's my second choice. Uh, third choice uh, on a, on a sl- slightly sadder note was um, basically Brooking and Keegan, making their first appearance uh, probably about five minutes before the end of England's last match, which was against Spain in the second round. Uh, Very much, um, if you look up last throw of the dice in a dictionary, uh, you'll get C, Brooking and Keegan. Um, And, I mean, Brooking was like basically my favourite player, uh, my sort of footballing hero, West Ham, and a local boy born in the same town as me. Um, So he was like... The, the the player that he was like the local celeb in a, in a football sort of sense, and I was just kind of waiting for him to make an appearance. I, in, to some extent, I wasn't even really caring much about Keegan, although obviously everybody else was because they were wanting him. He was like the biggest star in English football for God knows how long. But for me, it was all about Brooking. And um, when finally I saw him standing there on the touchline with his number three on the back, which was very bewildering for me because he always wore the number ten normally. Um, standing next to Keegan, I thought, oh, right, fine, brilliant, at last, we're going to get to see Brooking. And then, you know, two minutes later, after a couple of failed attempts, one each from Brooking and Keegan, um, that was it, it was all over, and I just felt a bit kind of short-changed, really. But, I mean, I saw a, an interview with Keegan on um, a programme that he did, I can't remember when that was now, it must have been sort of early 90s or something, and they asked him about that 1982 World Cup, and he said there was no way I was able to play in any of those games. He said I was that kind of unfit and, and recovering from injury and, and so when you hear that you sort of think well it's, it was a surprise he even managed to get on just for the last few minutes of that game really but um, yeah I'd, I'd love to see more of, of Trevor Brooking particularly in that uh, tournament and who knows if we had Keegan earlier on then we might have got a bit further maybe but um, anyway there it is those are my three choices so I suppose we should go to you any 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 points to make on that before I, uh, we move on? No I <coughs> excuse me like I say I think like I mentioned before, I think my probably only highlight from the uh, 82 World Cup was the theme songs that me and my brother recorded our versions of <laughs> on tape. <laughs> and that was about, oh, yes. that was about my only knowledge of the 82 World Cup even taking place. I don't really like saying my parents didn't follow sport at all. So if it, yeah. it wasn't on in my house and I, I didn't really see the news, I guess. So I had no idea it was even taking place. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, even there, when Mexico I mean... 86 started, I didn't know it started until I started <laughs> seeing highlights of some of the games. 
until somebody passed you a note with the, the, the World Cup has started written on it. And yeah. That was your clue. Um, yeah, no, there was, I mean, lots of other things obviously going on in 82, many of which have been mentioned by our listeners, as you said earlier on. So um, we'll come to those. But uh, those are kind of my favourite three from 82. So what about you for 86 then? What, what are your three favourite moments? Uh, 86. 86 I didn't like. Didn't like Mexico 86. I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and so it's not kind of how I remember you you talking about that competition. No, I've always said I hated it. Never watched it at all. <laughs> uh, yes, of course, I love Mexico '86. <clears throat> well, the funny thing is, when I came to writing down all my top threes, I was I was actually struggling um, to come up with like incidents, like particular incidents that had happened, and especially as uh, yeah. a lot of um, our Twitter and Facebook followers had actually already pointed out a lot of the most obvious ones. Um, so a lot of mine are kind of almost concepts if you like apart from the first one I'm about to read out which was Maradona's second goal because um, mm. uh, yeah we'll ignore his first one you know um, but, but yeah. the second goal it was just I mean I, I suppose I, I can't really say much more about it that hasn't already been written or spoken so and we all know what I'm talking about but and obviously along mm-hmm. with the commentary from uh, oh, Brian Butler or Byron Butler I think it was Byron um, yeah I mean what else can you say it was just amazing really and hmm. I know there's been other goals like it I think it's Saeed al Oran in 94 um, yep. but I think that was against Belgium or something you know just, it's not <laughs> in the first round doesn't quite count you know you know, in the quarter final <laughs> against England against who were to be honest despite the evidence uh, some of the best defenders around at the time you know we had a, we had a good mm-hmm. solid back four and he literally just <laughs> tore them apart so uh, yeah so that's my first one. Uh, the second is just the Azteca Stadium in general. Uh, I just remember being yeah. like absolutely blown away by it because it was obviously massive. Um, <clears throat> I think all the games there uh, generally tend to sell out. And I think I just remember reading in the, the shoot match uh, review afterwards, like all the attendance was like 114,500. And I just think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any, I think there's ever been a single stadium since, apart from the American Iron in 1950. When it held about yeah. half a million people, if you believe all the counts, um, <laughs> two hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's actually been a stadium that's held more than that. I think the closest we've had is the Rose Bowl, which was about ninety three thousand, I think. Um, mm. And it, I, it was just amazing. And of course, there was that speaker system they had strung over the, the halfway line, which cast that weird shadow. Yes, which we'll come <coughs> on to. I think somebody's um, inquired about that. But, uh, yes. yes, that was the. People were saying, what's that? Is that a giant spider hanging over the stadium? Yeah, exactly. Yes, of course and, it is. And again, yes. again, in pre-internet days, like nowadays you just go on Twitter or, or whatever and find out instantly, whereas now it's just like, I didn't know what that was for years. Um, no. Right. You know, the back of the good old days of you know non-connectedness. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> my final one is just, it's the actual final itself, because I mentioned this on the last podcast we did. I think I was spoilt, really. In, in the same way that your introduction, Chris, was like England scoring after 27 seconds, which kind of sets up a mm. false hope. Um, my introduction to World Cups was lots of colour, lots of sun, lots of interesting games uh, that I saw, because remembering that the other three course finals all went to penalties. Um, yes. And, and just this amazing final, which pretty much had everything. You know, you had Maradona there. Okay, he didn't score, but he did provide the pass for the final goal. Um, and you had, like, you know, a team going 2 0 up. And then coming back from two nil uh, to to two all, you know, within with about six minutes left, and then two yeah. minutes later, someone scoring again. It's like <clears throat> added to that dream got, final, exactly. Yeah, and added to that, you had Germany in their their bright green shirts, which just looked ace. 
and then obviously Argentina in their brilliant shirts as well. And it's just like it, and in and all in the Azteca. It it had everything, mm. you know. And and then follow it four years later with the worst final of all time. <laughs> it's just like it really did set me up to believe that World Cups were brilliant, you know. <clears throat> mm. And uh, uh, yeah, like I say, false dawn again. But that final itself was just brilliant. I don't. I honestly don't know if we've had a final as good as that since. Yeah, yeah, I know quite. Um, I mean, on a technical note, just going back to the kits, did you not find? Because I mean, we've had this discussion about sunshine being such a great element in World Cup matches, in terms of you know long-lasting memory and all that. Um, but didn't you find that the kind of glare of the sun made it difficult to slightly differentiate between the the blue and white stripes and the green? Because I just found it was such a lot of glare coming <coughs> off the shirts, and the green obviously was then kind of like the same colour as the grass. It was just a bit like I just thought, oh, it would have been nice if it had more of a contrast. But um, you know, <laughs> I had no say in such things back then. Funnily enough, <laughs> funnily enough, no. um, I, I don't really remember it then um, being much of a contrast. But then a lot of these things, I think, if you watch the footage from it now, because obviously it was. Um, pretty poor broadcast quality um hmm. it yeah there, there are sometimes i know um on some games where the argentine shirts almost look just completely white due to yes. the contrast yeah. and everything so so yeah but i mean yeah. i didn't really think about it at the time to be honest <laughs> i'm not sure i did but i just it just seemed to occur to me at some point but anyway then my <clears throat> so go on what were your three very from good 86 then my three from 86. Um, I have gone for um, Lineker's hat-trick against Poland. Um, a must-win group game. Uh, the last group game, actually, for England. Um, and just that whole thing. Like I mean, We've just been so catastrophically poor against Portugal and Morocco. I mean, Ray, Ray Wilkins, what, what are you doing? <laughs> um, getting sent off for throwing the ball at the ref. Um and all that kind of... I mean, it was just terrible, the first two games. And, and so there was this kind of conflict of emotion, really, I think, for a lot of England fans of like, well, OK, I will stay up until 11.30 at night to watch this, but you, England players, you must actually try and win this time, OK? And I, you know, like many other people, sort of stayed up until the wee small hours just thinking, oh, you know, please let this just be a bit better. And... and as soon as that first goal went in, it was incredible, and and just the link-up play between um, you know Lineker and Beardsley, and and it was just it was wonderful, and and it was such a release when those goals went in. You sort of think, at last, right now we can see the potential of the England side, and um, you know obviously then they managed to at least carry it on until the quarterfinals. So that was kind of something, I guess. So that was, but that was a great classic game, and the. Uh, uh, the commentary, which I think was from Barry Davis on the, on BBC at least, um, was was just perfect, just match the occasion. So that's my first one. Second one, a uh, bit predictable, but Josimar's long-range effort, uh, beating Pat Jennings, sadly, in his last game. Sorry about that, Pat, but, uh, you know, <laughs> best wishes <coughs> on your retirement, but pick that one out of the back of the net. Um, but I'm just... Thing is, you know, in 1982, Brazil were just unbelievable. I mean, they were just like the best team you've ever seen. And in '86, they kind of had to rein things back in a little bit, it seemed, and they weren't quite as carefree and um, joyous in the way they played and their style. Um, and yet, and just when you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, maybe this Brazil team isn't as good as the last one I saw four years ago, suddenly Josimar hits this classic Brazilian goal for me, and it just flew into the net. And you just think. Bloody hell, that was a bit special. So um, that was great. I remember seeing that and thinking that was tremendous. And for my third choice, I wasn't entirely sure because I had a few different options really, but I've kind of gone for Vasily Rat's goal against France uh, for the Soviet Union. 
just basically as a typical example of these goals that the Soviet Union was scoring, I think we mentioned this uh, on the last World Cup podcast we did, that the, yeah. um, uh, the really <coughs> exciting um, thing where the Russian Sorry, I can't call them Russian. Somebody picked me up on that a while back <laughs> when I said Russian instead of Soviet Union. Sorry about that. Um, the, uh, the the USSR team, who, who traditionally have sort of been quite sort of conservative, let's say, in the way they play, quite sort of workmanlike, and suddenly they were hitting all these shots in from outside the area and like top corners of the nets and and Vasily Rat's goal against France. If you find that one on YouTube, just it just smashed it in. But I mean, all these other players, Belenov, Alenikov. Suddenly, all these names emerged that were um, you sort of thinking, "Oh, I must remember him." He was, yeah, you know, he's got a pretty good goal. Him, so, um, so just the the Russian thing of bursting out of the traps so well in in '86, and and specifically his goal against France. That's uh, that's who I've gone for. Those are the three choices for me for '86. Mm. Um, I was going to say on your um, the England v Poland game, <clears throat> that was the first actual. Um, like the first full World Cup match I ever watched, and I was I uh-huh. I became aware I think the day before that we had to win. I don't I didn't understand the group mm. system at all at the time. I didn't even know we were <laughs> in a group. I didn't understand how it worked. All I just remember is everyone saying at school that oh we've got to win this. If we don't win this, we're out. Yeah. So it was really exciting. And then of course, like you say, we won three nil. So it was just like way and again false dawn. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> mind you, that said, we then beat Paraguay three one. So no, it was three nil yeah. again, wasn't it? Three nil. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always think it was three one purely because it wasn't Lineker that scored the, the like all of the goals. So I was thinking, oh, they must have scored yeah. one, but no, it was 3-0 again. And then we lost 2-1. Um, and, <laughs> and in terms of Josimar, uh, I, I remember his goal against Poland, uh, which I oh, think yes, was almost yeah. a very similar Ban, uh, Van Basten one, sort of very tight angle. And mm. for years, oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> for years, I couldn't find any footage of that. And, and it seemed to have just been completely forgotten. And then I think I managed to find uh, evidence of it. And I was, uh, it's one of those things where you think, I'm sure I remember that happening. But no one ever seemed to talk about it. <laughs> and then I, I think yes. I found footage of it. It was like, ah, there we go, yes. There is, there is um, uh, on, on YouTube, um, they've, somebody has very kindly uploaded the entirety of two VHS tapes, which I know I used to own. Maybe I still do own if they're in, the, in my garage somewhere. Um, and they're called All the Goals of World Cup 82 and All the Goals of World <coughs> Cup 86. And it's, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but um, it's really good. It's um, narrated by Martin Tyler and it is literally all the goals and they kind of go group by group. And it's actually on YouTube. So I think if you look for All the Goals of World Cup 1982 or something like that, or 86... You'll find out. It's great. It goes on for, a bit, for quite a while, well over an hour. But it's it's good just to sort of see, you know, all of the goals, but without all the waffle and stuff. But um, got it. No, that was a that was a terrific shot. Actually, yeah, the one against Poland. Yeah, I've got that video. You have. I have. Ah, it. there you all go. The, you all the goals of '86, and I've got the the official highlights of '86, which is different <laughs> from Hero, the official film. So yeah. official film. Yeah. Oh, good Fantastic. Film. Um, what, what the, one of the, my third choice. I was one of the other options for my third choice was basically just John Barnes coming on against Argentina because it suddenly, just as it was looking sort of grim, uh, suddenly he came on with this reputation of having scored against Brazil in a friendly and all that. And um, and of course, as we know, he sort of started going down the wing and getting crosses in, and suddenly we had this shot in the arm for a while, and sadly it didn't result in a in an equaliser for England. But it, just his introduction was was great. I seem to remember. Can I just correct you? I think you'll find it's John Barnes. <laughs> I think it's a common mistake. Correct me on what make. was it? 
Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it was Argentina, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and it was John Sorry, Barnes. John, John Barnes, you're quite right. Sorry, yes, I stand correct. <clears throat> and, and I'd just like to point out, the reason that neither of us have chosen the France versus Brazil quarterfinal, because that was obviously one of the classy matches, I think is because everybody else has picked it already. <laughs> yes, we know that for a fact, <clears throat> and, um, and we'll be reading out your comments on same later. Oh, yes, right, on to Italia 90. And uh, Do you want to go first on this one, Chris? All right. I will. Um, first of all, in no particular order, these um, I've gone for Waddle's long-range shot against oh, yes. West Germany, um, which was just extravagant and brilliant, uh, and only just tipped over the bar in the end. It was just in those. I seem to remember it being right near the end of the game. Although when I was trying to find it on YouTube the other day, I was really struggling, and I even sort of I was sort of zoomed to the end of the footage and couldn't find it there so I can't remember exactly when that occurred in that match in the semi-final against West Germany but it was just brilliant and you just think oh that's a Pele moment right there and it could have again it could have been by a man in an England shirt if only it had gone in but um that was very memorable and one of those things actually as well I think yeah we had a long range shot that hit the post as well sure we did yes that's right yeah you're absolutely right um, but the the crossbar one is sort of often overlooked. Actually, it's as if people just f- conveniently forgotten about it. But it's there if you look for it. Um, David Platt's winning goal against Belgium. These aren't. I've gone for a lot of England ones here. They're not all England um, selections. But let's face it. You know, I don't normally spend a lot of time on these podcasts talking about England. So this is my indulgence. <laughs> there, there you go. I'm sorry. I've said it. Um, <laughs> don't worry about it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is my prerogative I shall, I shall talk about England um, David Platt's winning goal against Belgium yeah the last as we all know the last moments of the uh, extra time against Belgium in the second round just to be sort of thinking oh well penalties again then eh and just to get such an amazing goal brilliant technique the chip in from, from Gascoigne and, and hit from coming over the shoulder I mean how the hell do you do that uh, what a brilliant finish and um, and then lastly, I've just gone for um, Rene Higita uh, getting caught out by Roger Miller in the first round game. <laughs> Higita doing what he so often did and sort of dribbling the ball out. And and someone of Roger Miller's skill just sort of saying, I'm sorry, pal, you've, you've done this once too often. It's time we just drew a line under all this and just kind of robbed him of the ball and put it in. And um, I just remember that, yeah, that's, that's obviously something that just added to Roger Miller's um, reputation, let's say, as as things went on. So, those are my three. What about yourself from nineteen ninety? Um, well, my first one, I'll, I'll do these in sort of vaguely chronological. It was just the the opening of the whole tournament, which I think I mentioned uh-huh. on the last one, which was the um, basically just getting home from school and switching on. I think it was ITV that covered the first one, and then seeing the uh, the amazing opening with one of the best sort of theme tunes for a World Cup ever, which was oh. Tutti Al Mundo by Rod Argent <laughs> with all the bouncing ball. I think we covered the bouncing balls before. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the yes, big and giant the bouncing load. balls. <laughs> all <laughs> over, my balls all over Italy. Yeah, you love it. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, just... at 500s and things, wasn't it? And yes, the yeah. And stuff, yeah. Yeah, all the... All the uh, yeah, and some pasta and the Don Mio family, I think, were in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> and someone surrendering yeah. or something. Yeah, someone had to say. <laughs> um, and then, and obviously, it panned onto the San Siro. And I, again, I've just... To this day, I, you know, I remain blown away by that site because I hadn't really seen many stadia, apart from the Azteca, which is obviously, like, massive, but also, you know, old, because it was uh, built a long mm. time ago. Uh, around about the uh, time of the the uh, Incas, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the San Siro just looked so amazing. It was just so, I think to me at the time, it looked so futuristic because it just had these gigantic girders on the top of it. Um, yeah. And it just looked 
just again to this day it still blows me away that initial sight of seeing it and just yeah. so so that's my first one um the second one is uh, again features amazingly Scotland at a World Cup. I mean, <laughs> who, who remembers those days, eh? <laughs> and and of course Scotland losing in the first round of the World Cup. Ah, traditions. Um, but this particular one was the the Costa Rica back heel because um, I remember oh. watching it and I thought, and obviously I am I am technically half Scottish, so I do actually support Scotland winning the World Cup, much as I mock them. <laughs> um, and I remember technically sort of, half Scottish. I'm not. I'm not having that. Technically half Scottish. I am. And now you only now do you tell me that. I've told you that before. My dad's Scottish. I'm technically <laughs> I'm technically half Scottish, half Scouse, and half Coventrian. How does that work? <laughs> My God. I'm, I'm a kind of north south <laughs> mongrel. Um, so yeah, so I, I do actually always support Scotland, uh, and I don't go in for this anyone but England or anyone but Scotland crap. It's just mm. like no, I, I am. I am. I span both halves of the border, literally. Um, and I, I just I just remember them having their opening match against Costa Rica, thinking, well, they can get this one, you know, who the hell are Costa Rica? And of yeah. course, that didn't happen, did it? No, they went and lost one nil. Um, and at, at, the funny thing was, it was the back hill itself because I don't, I don't think anybody saw it coming at all. I think the guy yeah. sort of passed the ball into the box diagonally. The guy picked it up just on the edge of the box, and the most obvious thing it looked like he was going to do was turn and shoot. But out mm. of nowhere, he just literally rolled the ball directly behind him. And it was like, yeah. what the hell? And the next thing you see is this guy <laughs> come in from the side and just hammer the ball into the goal. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's what you were doing. It's like you were obviously That's how you of... do it. Exactly, yeah. And it was just like, it was such a great goal. And it was just like, so bloody typical of Scotland to get to the World Cup and in their first match be humiliated by what should have been, you know, uh, lesser opposition. And then, of course, they yeah. couldn't... I mean, I don't think Costa Rica came close to scoring again after that particularly and and scotland tried but just couldn't break them down and again as was so often with scotland i think they then i think they drew with sweden and then almost almost um they they actually came close i think to beating brazil in the last game but i think they ended up losing one nil due to a really kind of lame goal and i just remember (laughs) being gutted because they could have actually qualified for the second round for the first time ever um, yep. But again, they just sort of threw it away. But it, it just seemed to be the way that Scotland always went. It's like, lose the easy match, uh, and then sort of have a second <laughs> match which yourself. was okay, and then once you were almost pretty much virtually guaranteed of being out, then suddenly come alive and start beating people. You know? <laughs> yes, it's just Holland 1978 <clears throat> all over again and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly, and they just seem to always do that. I mean, it's very frustrating. The sad thing is, is that and again, I'm not being facetious, I just genuinely can't see Scotland qualifying for another World Cup for a very long time, because obviously, between 1990 and now, we've almost doubled the amount of nations in um, in Europe, uh, yeah. purely by the breakup of the former Soviet Union and a former, a, a lot of former um, communist you Eastern Bloc countries, so it's like, yeah. there's been a lot of that, and, but the difference is that when they all separated into small nations all of those smaller nations were still better than Scotland. <laughs> so it's like, oh it hasn't really helped things. It's a bit like Eurovision, really, but, you know, without the embarrassing <laughs> songs. Oh, no, wait, they did have embarrassing songs, didn't they? <laughs> Don't come yeah. home too soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, less, least said about that, the better. Yeah, cool. Um, the, uh, the, that Costa Rica match, I was just going to say, the, the, the thing I always remember from that is that Scotland were wearing their away kit, and I had that shirt. It was gorgeous. Uh, with the um, yellow, it was a white shirt, yellow 
um, stripes across it and then two navy blue stripes sort of either yeah, side of that. the uh, thing. I, I remember owning that and absolutely loved it. It was a really nice shirt, that. Anyway, sorry, <coughs> I, I digress. That's all right. And my final one was uh, uh, Lineker's equaliser against West Germany in the semi-final. Just purely because, obviously, I think it was about was it the 82nd minute or something. It was right near the end. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was, I remember watching it and I had this feeling that we, we it was just a matter of time before we equalised. And I don't know why, I just had that feeling. I just knew we were going to equalise. And I just remember when it went in, apart from the relief, because I think anyone that's that's seen it can see the sheer relief on, on Lineker's face and the, the sheer ecstasy of having got the goal that he needed. And I remember just thinking, yeah, I knew we would. <laughs> and it was just like kind of, there you go, you know, kind of like, well, that, well that's it. That's, that was bound to happen at some point. And it, I don't know if it was just because we were pressing a lot. It's just... But the, there was just a feeling that we were going to score at some point. It's just when and if we ran out of yes. time, you know. And it was just like, oh no, there it is. You know, good. That that's just what I was expecting. <laughs> I'm glad actually you mentioned the uh, the, the England West Germany game because there was one other thing I just wanted to throw in, and I only heard this. Well, I, I must probably hear this about once a year because it's on a um, it's on the clip. If you if you hear the um, sorry, if you see the ITV footage of that game. And you listen to Brian Moore's commentary. Excuse me. There's a there's a line in it which is just classic. It absolutely cracks me up every time. And when he gets to the penalty shootout, um, Stuart Pierce steps up, of course, to take his penalty and misses it, as we know. And um, and then you, then so he misses his, and then Waddle misses his, and then when it became becomes clear that England have lost. The camera then goes on to Stuart Pierce, who's blubbing his eyes out, crying his eyes out. And the classic line from Brian Moore says, oh, he says, and I thought it was such a hard man. <laughs> I thought, like, what? And are you going to tell him? I was going to say, is he just basically calling Stuart Pierce a pussy there? <laughs> yeah. I just, it's from one of from the safety probably... of the commentary box. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the reinforced <clears throat> perspex windows. Um it's just one of those lines that you just lose at the time because there's so much else going on that you're focusing your mind on and, and, and stuff going on around you and stuff. But when you hear it back like that, I just thought, <laughs> of all the things to say, uh, good old Brian Moore. Anyway. Just, it just reminds me of the, the uh, penalty shootout against Argentina when, um, I can't remember who the commentator was, when he says to Kevin Keegan, quickly, Kevin, do you back him to score yes or no? Yes. yes. <laughs> no! <laughs> no yeah, and literally, right, Kevin, Keegan, you go, Kevin um, Keegan goes, oh, like that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Yeah, cheers for that, mate. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention on Italia 90 before we move to the USA? No, I just, no, no. There's there's one other thing, but I'm I'm not going to mention it because I had this idea before and I'm, I'm convinced that one day it will reach full, um, it will it will materialise into an actual podcast, which is that we had, we do this thing called the the football attic confessional, right? Now this <laughs> yes. was going to be this was going to be a series of blog posts. So I think we should do it as a as a podcast at some point, whereby basically we invite people to tell us things that are football related that they are embarrassed about or they 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 want to confess about because they just want to feel kind of they want to be cleansed, you know, from their soul of something that's happened in the past. And there's one that's relate that relates to the England Cameroon game that. But I'm going to save it because you never know. We might actually one day record that podcast. So I'll I save think, it. I think we then. should. That'd be that'd be funny. That'd Yes, because I've got a whole whole load of things I'm embarrassed about. I'm just, <laughs> I'm a, really, I'm an emotional mess. <laughs> Have you been in therapy about these before we actually do oh. this podcast? I don't want you blubbing down the podcast because you know I thought you were, I thought you were a hard man, Chris. Hard man. Ah, <laughs> uh, touche. Oh dear. So yes, yeah, so over to over the over the seas we go to USA yes. '94. 
Um, and I was really <laughs> looking forward to US Enough. I know a lot of people were being really sniffy about it being in America, but I didn't care because it meant back to sun, large stadiums, <laughs> and <laughs> all the other essential ingredients except for the football malarkey. We don't care about that. Um, <laughs> and so, and it comes to opening day of the World Cup. And uh, unlike now, where we seem to be only treated to one match on the opening day, and it's on a Thursday this year, what the hell's that all about, FIFA? God, it's bad enough moving it in, you know, hosting it in Qatar and moving it to winter, but holding on a Thursday? Oh, it's just it's political correctness gone mad. Um, and so, uh, on the opening match, I, I mentioned this before on the uh, on the World Cup Memories podcast, but it is still one of my abiding memories of and, and one of my top memories of uh, USA 94. There's... Um, I, I had just finished my first year at uni, so literally that day on the Friday, that was my last day. So I now was looking forward to about three and a half months of sitting around on my ass doing nothing. Um, <laughs> and it just coincided with the start of the World Cup, which was great. Uh, and not only that, but because it was in America, it meant um, late night matches. And yes. I think they either kicked off about half eleven or eleven or midnight or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, and everyone else had gone to bed um, in the house, and so I decided that I was going to stay up and watch the second match, which was South Korea versus Spain. And mm. I, would, I would say predictably, but obviously for most people that knew uh, the Spain of old, as they used to be, um, not the Spain now that wins everything, um, but the Spain that used to go to World Cups with high hopes and always being one of the favourites, and then always losing in the first round. Um, shit Spain, as I like to call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> retro Spain or shit Spain, as they can also be <laughs> Um, and uh, shame they, as I said. Oh, God, uh, but Sorry, they God. very quickly went into a, a two-nil lead, and it looked like oh, it was going to be business as usual. Maybe Spain will actually do well at this World Cup for once. I don't think they did in the end. Oh, they lost to Italy, didn't they, in the quarters? Um, yep. But very late on in the game, South Korea pulled one back, and previously at World Cup, South Korea had been absolutely appalling. You know, they'd been really, really bad. Like I don't think they'd ever progressed past the first round. Um, yeah. And to be fair, I don't think they did in this one either. But um, <laughs> but then right at the very end of the match, I think possibly in the 90th minute, I can't remember exactly what time it was, but very, very late in the match, they scored again um, to make it 2-2. And I, yes. I was just absolutely jubilant. And, and as I mentioned before, I literally leapt out of my seat when they scored <laughs> and kind of did a kind of gosh like that because obviously everyone else was asleep in the house. Um, <laughs> but the problem was I had earphones in. Um, and as I jumped up I, I think I had my foot on the wire because it was a long wire and it nearly ripped my ears off because I had their little <laughs> in-ear things and they yanked them out of my ear so my kind of my, my cry was kind of half jubilation and half sheer pain as my ears nearly got <laughs> torn off my head <laughs> but it, it was it, again it was I had really high hopes for that World Cup um, and it, it proved to be you know a great opening night I mean the original I think the Germany versus Bolivia game was a bit of a, a damp squib but but the South Korean Spain one was like, hey, this is it, you know, bring it on. And then I think I used, I stayed up um, and watched all the late night matches for about the first three days before I realised that I just couldn't do this. And <laughs> yes, it was actually killing me. And then I think the first one I didn't watch was um, a game Bolivia versus somebody. Uh, and I, I mentioned this before, and it was it was when Echeverry got sent off after only about a minute on the pitch or something ridiculous. Yeah. And the ref ended up playing about 40 minutes of injury time, something stupid <laughs> like that. And I remember, I remember getting up the following morning and reading about it, and just thinking, "Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't stay up to watch that because apparently, by all all accounts, it was a terrible match." Yeah. Um, my second one, I, I've got two for this because I went back. I actually wrote an article 
when I used to write articles um, <laughs> sometime last year, I think about my top three, my top five World Cups from the nineties moment, uh, and one of them was uh, Jordan Lechkov scoring against Germany in, in the um, quarter final against Germany. Yep. Uh, so I I've, I've had that, but I've actually changed that because although that's a single incident, I thought of something else that, that actually pleased me more at the time, and that was Romania at the tournament. Um, no. Apart from the fact they had nice yellow kits. Um, <laughs> Although, I thought you said you didn't like that Adidas template kit. Or was I, didn't, something? I didn't, but it looked nice in Romania because they had like yellow and blue and it looked nice with a bit of red on it, unlike Sweden's, which was yellow, blue and blue. So I seem to remember you making a comment on a previous podcasts saying something like, I'm yes. glad they lost because then that way the <laughs> kit died or something. Well, they, that was actually Romania lost against Sweden in the quarterfinal, but both teams were wearing their away kit, which annoyed me in uh. itself because they had no need to. Um, one of them, yeah, I could understand because both the, they're both yellow. So just change one of them, you know. Don't change yes. both. Um, anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Sit down. Shut up. Uh... Um, so yeah, I, I just remember. I, I think um, like Haji and uh, Radichoyu, and uh, they just seemed to play uh, really exciting football. And I think Haji um, scored that amazing goal where no one could mm. quite work out whether it was a cross or um, a shot deliberately. Yes. But they they just did so well, and and and, and even when they beat. Um, uh, Argentina in the second round it was a cracking match I mean I wanted Argentina to win but it was just such a great game and they just looked so good when they played and it, and even the quarter final when they did go out I think that ended up 2 all after um, extra time so it was, every match they played in seemed to be really exciting um, yeah. and I was a bit gutted they lost in the end because I wanted them to go through I didn't want Sweden because I'd found Sweden a bit boring and, and boring <laughs> they continued to be in the semi against Brazil mm. um I just so, remember yeah, thinking, what's, what sort of World Cup is this where you got like Romania, Sweden, and Bulgaria in the last eight? I said, what's going on? Yeah, it was a bit of, it was crazy times, wasn't it? Mudgy, not yeah. as crazy as 2002, where you ended up with South Korea and, and like America in the quarterfinals. Well, that, was, that was crazy, man. And Turkey. <laughs> Turkey, Turkey, Turkey and South Korea yeah. in, the, uh, in the semifinals. Crazy times. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my second one. And my third one was um, Stoichkov of Bulgaria. And having him, him having a tantrum in the third place playoff <laughs> match, I and I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast is that um, he was on uh, six goals uh, with equal to um, oh, what was his name? Um, Selenko from yes. Russia. Um, That's right. Because Selenko had banged in five against Cameroon <laughs> in the final <laughs> match when Cameroon and Russia, I think, were already out. Uh, so he was just knocking him in for fun. So I think it was filled his boots. Yeah, literally, it was a, it was a bit of a kind of cheek, really, because it's like Stoichkov had been banging him in against like you know proper teams, like um, <laughs> whereas Selenko just ah, I'll just knock in a load of goals. And in the third place playoff match, it was his last chance, Stoichkov's last chance to actually score the seventh goal to take the golden <laughs> boot, and he couldn't do it. And the funny thing was that I think Bulgaria lost four nil to Sweden as well, so they totally right. got steamrolled. But he had chance after chance, and he just couldn't put them away. And I think it was in about the last 10 minutes or something, and he just missed another chance. And he was in the penalty box, and he literally just sat on the floor pounding the turf, just <laughs> in, in sheer frustration. And I just remember thinking it was brilliant. <laughs> it literally was like he was a child having a tantrum in Toys R Us because they couldn't get their favourite Furby or something. You know, it, was just, it was just so pathetic. And I, at the same time, you had to feel a bit sorry for the guy because really... He deserved it because he had been one of the players of the tournament. But at the same time, you think 
that's just the way it goes, mate. If you can't score that yeah. extra goal, if you can't get the thing, you know, unfortunately you didn't have a Cameroon to score five against, but that's the way it goes. It was just so <laughs> funny to watch him melt down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, as you say, he sort of, he would have, I'm just looking, he scored against uh, Mexico, Germany, and, I mean, that's just in the knockout stages, and, and like, so proper decent teams. Yeah. No one mucking about. Good times. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, um, I'll give you give you my three. I'm, um, I start off with um, <coughs> Saeed Um uh, Sorry, uh, Saeed Awairan's wonder goal for <laughs> Saudi Arabia against Belgium. I just thought it was terrific. I mean, yes, I know it was against Belgium, but just the fact that someone like... Someone from a team, with all due respect, from a team like Saudi Arabia could... <laughs> be associated with a goal of that quality because it's normally it's your brazils and your italy's and germany's and all that kind of stuff and i just thought it was terrific that someone from saudi arabia just sort of thought you know what? i'm just gonna basically dribble past all of you and just you know it's up to you to stop me and they and they didn't and he scored although it was a terrific goal um my second choice is um uh, finidi george doing his dog urinating celebration uh after he scored for nigeria against greece um, I mean, kind of funny, but at the time I just sort of thought, what are you thinking of, man? You, This is being watched by a global audience of somewhere probably in the region of about 500 million or something. And you, you go and impersonate a dog taking a slash up a lamppost. I thought, well, I suppose it's kind of better than just kind of running up to the crowd and you know, sort of being engulfed by all the fans. Um, but I just that kind of sticks out in my memory. And then my third choice, I'm going to see if I can test you on this. If I say Mexico versus Bulgaria, what does that um, trigger off in your mind, if anything? It's not the goal breaking, is it? It is the goal breaking. Good. Excellent. Two points (laughs) to Johnson. Uh, Yes. I remember watching it and um, it was basically, I think somebody um, uh, chipped the ball forward um, for Bulgaria and a Mexican guy, uh, forgive me, I don't know his name, headed it off the goal line and he's uh, in running up to the goal line his momentum carried him forward and he just thought oh and he just kind of collapsed for those who haven't seen it I'm sure we probably have he just kind of collapsed into the back of the net not thinking for a moment that actually there was any kind of rigid structure that was keeping the the, the net up it was just literally a flimsy couple of bars running horizontally off the back of the goal post and that was it it was just the net was just draped off the back of that and of course it snapped and um, suddenly you have this situation like oh well, um, so I suppose we need to uh, fix this. Then uh, anybody know anybody know where we can get a spare? <laughs> and everybody was standing around. I think it had been headed away for a corner. So you had this image of this guy, this Bulgarian guy, standing by the corner flag with the ball, like sort of looking at his imaginary <coughs> watch on his wrist, saying like, "Hello, <laughs> when's this going to get sorted out?" And then finally, from the wrong end of the pitch, suddenly these two guys come on carrying a goal frame. You sort of think at least like get it in, bring it on from the right end of the pitch, save you the walk. And they suddenly realised, oh, this has been seven minutes now. We've been waiting, so we better try and run to the other end to get this goal fixed. And everyone's sort of standing around, thinking, oh, this is this is this is just too much. Can't can't bear the boredom of this any longer. And to their credit, they got it all fixed up, of course, in the end. But it was just a real one-off. Hasn't been seen since, not surprisingly, because it's one of those things where everyone says, uh, <clears throat> I think we need to do um, better when it comes to designing the goal frames, everyone. Um, and, um, yeah, just bizarre. Just like everything stops for seven minutes. Just like, yeah. oh, okay. I, I very distinctly remember that. And there's two, there's two things I want to say about that. One is is that I remember watching and thinking, well, that was obviously going to happen at some point. 
Because when when they first showed when they first opened the World Cup, you looked at the design of the goals. You just thought there's nothing supporting that back rod that's holding the back no. of the goal up, and you just thought that's going to snap at some point. Something's going to happen, and one of those is going to break. So it, yeah. Yeah, to the rest of the world, we probably all sat there thinking, "Yeah, could see that coming." But the organisers <laughs> didn't seem to be aware that this was a possibility. The yeah. other thing I was going to say was that. It's a shame, really, that when they took the other goal off, they didn't take it off on a golf cart, because that was the first <laughs> World Cup where they introduced yes. a golf cart where you had to go off. <laughs> I just yeah. remember that it would have been the logical a, thing. A massive source of derision at the time. That every time someone was injured, this little golf cart would trundle on, driven by some sort of yank in his kind of uh, like golfing attire <laughs> with his little peak cap on, <laughs> and then sort of they'd load up jumper. the player on the back and he'd tootle off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it occurred to me actually. Yes, of course, the uh, carts. I remember all the commentators is really in a buzz about that. So, was like, oh, oh, you don't get stretched off here. You have to get on the back of a bus. <laughs> it was so funny. I, the funny yeah. thing is, I'd totally forgotten about that up until just yeah. now. I think other <laughs> other highlights actually were. Um, well, it wasn't so much a highlight, but a memorable incident. Uh, I haven't read all the comments yet, so I don't know if anyone has mentioned this. Was um, Leonardo who uh, got sent off for elbowing? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Was it Tab Ramos? I think it was. The, yes, the face. that's right. Yeah, a bit of an altercation on the far side of the pitch. Was, yeah, yeah, I think Tab Ramos was kind of grabbing his shirt or something and Leonhard just literally launched his elbow into the guy's face. And it was like, <laughs> the guy just collapsed. I've done it. I think it actually knocked him out. It was really, really bad. But again, I just... And I think, um, from what I remember at the commentary at the time, it might have been even... I think it... I'm sure it was Keegan saying, no, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think you can see the guy's pulling his shirt, and then when they show the replay, and you can hear him massively backpedalling, he's like going, well, yeah, but it's so funny, because he's like going something like, uh, well, you know, if you look at it, the other guy was taking his shirt, and I think um, his co-commentator goes, but you can't justify that, Kevin. He's going, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, yeah. the ever the master of the, uh, the erudite word. Kevin exactly, Keegan, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's uh, only one yes. team going to score now, and that's England. Don't! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know where that got Leonardo, that um, that terrible act of his. He became a pundit for the BBC in the next World Cup. That's where it got him. Oh, God, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Well, Roger, after a short stint as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. All <laughs> oh, uh, oh, right. Anyway, moving on move over on. to to La France '98. That's my La France '98. Yes. Yes. Um, I'll um, I shall pick up from where I left. Or are you going to go on this one? Uh, I'll go on this one purely because right. I know that um. My Japan or South Korea one, I will go second on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, I've actually got... Uh, this is going to really sound like I don't like Scotland, but I've got Scotland capitulating. <laughs> That's one of my first ones. And it's... it's just again, copy and paste that down under all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you said that, on And again, <laughs> it's not because I dislike Scotland. I really want Scotland to win. It's just because they just do it so spectacularly. Like I say, they either get knocked out by the end of the first two matches... Um, and then, you know, end up beating the final team like 20 nil or something. Or, in I think uh, in this one, they still had a chance of qualifying in the third match and then lost 3 nil to Morocco. Mm. It's like, um, I'm trying to think what they've done. I think they've drawn their second match. I can't think who that was against. Oh, because they played the opening match against Brazil. Brazil, and that's only, right. And again, only just lost to Brazil because Brazil were by no means, you know, in control of that game. And I think mm. it was uh, it was a bundled own goal that um, Brazil actually won yeah. with. So it's like you know an opening match in front of the world stage, and Scotland actually had a, you know held a good account of themselves, and and nearly got a draw against Brazil. 
So and they yep. did that, and then I think they drew in their second match, one all or something. And I can't yeah, Norway who that was against Norway. That was it, yeah. And yep. I think Scotland were in their away kit or something. <laughs> and then in the third match, it was like, oh my god, they could actually do this. And I think other results in the game, in the group state, in the group games, um, I think at the time, halfway through, they weren't particularly going in their favour anyway. But then they lost three nil. And you just think, mm. for God's sake, you know, against Morocco, it's not. I wouldn't mind if it was three nil against like Germany or something. But they'd go and lose three nil to a team that wasn't really expected to do anything, and and were just kind of, you know, <laughs> lame for any of the and yeah. for want of a better word. But and the, it was just so frustrating. It's like, oh, come on, you know, this is <laughs> your best shot of getting into the second round for ages, <clears throat> and ironically, yeah. be the last time you qualify. And it's just like, and you, and I wouldn't mind if they'd lost one nil after a tight concert, but it was like they absolutely got steamrolled, and you yes. just sort of, you kind of give up at that point. You just think, well, you deserve to go out, but at the same time, it was disappointing. So, well, so there yeah. you go. That's my first one. Um, my my second one, I kind of encapsulated two things into one, but it's from the same match, and that was um, the second round match of England versus Argentina, which was a great game. Mm. Actually, there's three things from that match I wanted to talk about. Um, there was Owen's goal, obviously, not Match. the one where he died yeah. for the penalty. Um, his actual <laughs> proper goal, which even now when I watch that, still you know makes yeah. the old spine tingle. Oh yes. Uh, there was Argentina's second goal, which was a beautifully worked free kick where they just passed it to the side and he thumped it in, which was a reworking of what Sweden had done against uh, Romania, I think, in the quarterfinals of the '94 World Cup, and it worked right. perfectly well then when uh, I think Thomas Brolin scored. Um, and the third incident was was um, Shearer, not the initial elbow in the goalie in the face, but afterwards going, yeah, I don't know why that goal was disallowed. <laughs> yeah, I do, Shearer, because of your chuffing elbow. <laughs> so there's Campbell scoring a perfectly good goal, apart from the uh, fact that yeah. the goalie had a, a, a sort of face full of Shearer. That's <laughs> disgusting. Oh. Um, <laughs> and nobody wants that. And and but like I say, it wasn't so much that because obviously then Campbell was off the pitch, you know, celebrating while Argentina nearly went up and scored. But it was the fact that afterwards Shearer's just going, "Oh yeah," and, and I don't know why that was disallowed. And that's really bad mm. that it was disallowed. I'm thinking, "Oh, you tit," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to tell us, Mr. Shearer? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And the worst thing was it happened again, didn't it? In um, was it yeah. 2004 in the Euros when Campbell scored and that got uh, disallowed yes. as well. Admittedly, it wasn't Shearer that time; it was some other reason, but. I've got to feel sorry for the guy, really. The two potentially winning goals, because that was, again, similarly, in, I think it was against Portugal, and that was, again, late on in, in extra time or something. And both yes. times it's disallowed. Um, and my third one is uh, my obvious one I've mentioned before, and that I've just written the words, in quotes, Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> oh. And that's from the infamous Dutch commentary, which obviously I didn't see at the time, but has become one of my favourite memories, even <laughs> though it's not technically a memory. Uh, and that's just the Dutch commentator screaming Dennis Bergkamp's name over and over again after he scored his fantastic goal against Argentina in the quarterfinal. But at the time, having watched that match, I, again, I wanted Argentina to get through, so I didn't appreciate it. But, you know, it, the goal itself is fantastic. Oh, well, absolutely. Oh, no, no, indeed. In fact, you've two of yours are the same as two of mine, actually. So the, uh, oh, the Owen Wonder goal. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, not a problem. Um, the... Um, the Owen Wonder goal and uh, yeah, Bergkamp's goal, which of course was um, like a more refined version of a goal he scored for Arsenal against uh, Leicester, I believe it was. Yes. Um, not long before, so um, just to show that it wasn't a fluke, uh, the man had previous where that's <laughs> concerned. So uh, yeah, the terrific. And I mean, my my other choice for '98 was um, um, Beckham's 
kick at Diego Simeone, which um, has been mentioned just today because um, we're recording this on the day that the Champions League final was placed and played, and um, people have been mentioning Diego Simeone on the on Twitter and stuff. Um, I, the reason I've included that. Not because I'm some kind of sicko or anything. Just um, you know the fact that it was it just unravelled England's entire campaign. But I just remember thinking, I don't know kind of how I feel about this because um, you sort of felt like, well, it's Argentina, the old enemy, and I know you know the the, the English tradition is you know play fair and all that sort of stuff. But um, you sort of think that there's, I mean, need I say, you know, Maradona handball '86. I mean, just just getting back for that. So a bit of a kick out. You sort of think. Yeah, go on, go on, Beckham, help yourself. Have a, have a really good swing at him. Um, and then, of course, and then, of course, you know, he gets sent off, and then you suddenly think, oh, well, so we, now we've lost you because of that, have we? So, we're, you know, the other 10 men have got to make up for your absence. And, of course, as everybody remembers, um, the amazing reaction that followed in the domestic season that followed, I just remember the first sort of month or so, um, this this real sort of anti Beckham feeling at all the grounds, especially in like the Premier League or wherever, um, wherever because Beckham I think was still at Man United, wasn't he at the time? He was. And um, just this whole feeling like he was getting booed and all this, and, and obviously just within a few weeks it all died down and was forgotten about. And um, but I just remember thinking, wow, that was in terms of like ripples of um, like the kind of seismic waves that are emanating from that one seemingly harmless incident. Um, yeah, you know, what happened for weeks and weeks after that, uh, especially when the, the new season started? I thought that was that was a pretty dramatic thing, really. And yet it was a bit of a kind of weak little flick out with his foot, wasn't it? It wasn't like he sort of took a long run up and kicked him in the groin or something. It was just like a little flimsy little <coughs> kick. Exactly. It's not oh. like he stamped on someone's nuts or anything, eh, hey, Rudy? <laughs> or kind of you know ran out of his penalty area and like barged into the player that was running towards him or anything like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those that's pretty much kind of almost got all my three choices there. Yeah, well there we go then. Minus. Right, Great over the other there. side of the world we go to Japan and South Korea. Japan and South Korea, two thousand and two. Um, my first choice, the opening game, Senegal beating France. That was just like a, a latter day equivalent to Cameroon beating Argentina for me and you know um, African team beating the current holders essentially and I just thought it was terrific and a breath of fresh air just seeing a team because I think that might have been Senegal's first World Cup actually and um, to do that was against team of France's supposed quality was just amazing but of course it was the the beginning of the French campaign just unraveling in a totally catastrophic fashion so it's just sort of it was the first kind of chip chips away at, uh, at France's um, you know confidence levels and stuff like that and, yeah so I just remember watching that and thinking wow that was that was a pretty amazing event um, and, uh, I was just going to say similarly obviously like when Argentina lost their opening match in 1990 similarly France went on to get to the final of 2000 oh no wait they didn't they went out in the first <laughs> round ha, ha, oh that's ha, right ha, ha. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, um, I, my second choice is um, the match between South Korea and Italy, which South Korea won two one. Just because it was just a really, I don't know what it was. It was just a really engrossing. It was it was like drama from the beginning to the end. There was this whole sort of vibe going on, of course, about like North Korea beating Italy in nineteen sixty six and all that kind of stuff. Technically not the same country, but it doesn't <laughs> quite stop a bit people really. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit different in their outlook on life. Uh, but it didn't <coughs> stop the press and the commentators and the T V people and everybody else kind of you know you know, putting some heat under this whole thing. And of course South Korea actually proved that they were up for it as well and they had a really good team 
and then obviously you had home support and stuff. But I just remember that whole game, let alone the result, was South Korea winning 2-1, but just the whole game and the intensity and the passion of the crowd and everyone was really seemed, seemed to be behind South Korea and, and Italy just just didn't have have the wherewithal to, to, to get the results. So I just remember that being a terrific game, actually. And, and it, also, um, it also resulted yeah. in, in the, I think it was the guy that scored the winning goal, was it Arn or someone, being sacked yes. from his club. Because uh, he played for was it Perugia, that's right. Yes, I think it was, yes. And he got sacked. And I, yeah. <laughs> How dare you score <laughs> for your country? <laughs> yeah, even though you're technically South Korean. <laughs> and so the same thing happened to Maradona, didn't it? Because he then kind of got vilified in Naples. That's and he right. scored against Italy in Naples. <laughs> <laughs> Pick your moments and all that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and my last choice is... Uh, Beckham's penalty for England against Argentina which kind of reversed the thing that happened four years earlier that we'd just been talking about but it was just I mean I've always respected people like Stuart Pearce had this in the in the Euros as well having missed his previous penalty uh, in the 1990 World Cup to be able to actually step up and convert a penalty and then neutralize all that sort of negativity from what happened before I think it takes some real bottle I'm not Beckham's greatest fan I don't hate the guy but I'm not his biggest fan either uh, but I just thought that was that was really Tremendous the fact that he stepped up and scored the goal, won the match. Thought good on you, fair play to you. So there you go. What about your memories well, from two thousand? I was about to say about I was about to say about Beckham that I think was the the completion of his redemption from ninety eight because mm. I think it basically he uh, basically proved himself over the 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 following years and obviously when he hit the the last minute free kick against Greece to send us to the World Cup that was obviously you know I think he was. Almost redeemed at that point, but I think mm. that you know the the revenge against Argentina, I think was the was the completion of that. And it, to be honest, and that's one thing I have always liked about Beckham is that you know considering what he went through, which was totally unjustified, mm. you know he he didn't complain about, it, he just got on with it and and then completely turned everyone's opinion. I mean, irrespective mm. of what people think of Beckham now and his, and his private life, whatever, on in a footballing sense, you know he, I I can't fault the guy really. I mean. Yeah. You know, in latter stage, I think he wasn't quite fit enough to go to certain World Cups, you know, and ended up puking on the pitch and stuff. But hey, he was picked and he was going. You know, it's like, mm. and I just think that the way that he handled himself during that whole thing was was very admirable. And considering the way that certain players are now, you know, I'm going to leave your club because I didn't get a birthday cake or something. <laughs> you know, it, it shows a, it shows a complete um, difference of different. mentality and, and yeah. kind of. He he never, I never felt that throughout his career that Beckham had a sense of entitlement. You know, he always worked hard for what he got. Whereas, mm-hmm. like I say, nowadays you get some twat that goes, oh, "I didn't get a birthday card. I'm off." Well, off then. You know, mm. <laughs> good. Yes, I take fact, your... like, exactly. Take your non-birthday card with you, you tit. I was going to say, take your weekly wage of two hundred thousand pound with you. Yeah. yeah, boo, bloody who? Go buy your own card. You got enough money. <laughs> In fact, buy Clintons. I mean, just do the... <laughs> yeah. I thought you meant the Clintons, then. <laughs> the family <laughs> no, no, no. presidents. <laughs> no, no, no. The purveyors of rather naff greetings cards, I was yes. talking about. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Well, well, yeah. uh, so, yes, Japan and South Korea. My memories, I've also got France losing, and they, they're literally the two words I've written, and any of the two words I've written are nothing else. <laughs> I didn't so, one of your like... classic tournaments. It, yes, it was. Yeah. I, just, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy... Japan's career. The, the funny thing was, the final was actually quite good, uh, mm. Germany and and uh, Brazil, and I was quite glad about it because I just wanted Germany to score at least a goal. I wanted to be some, you know, after 
After Brazil had scored their opening one, I wanted Germany to close purely so that there could be a bit of tension in the build-up, but it wasn't. I think just Ronaldo scored a second one or something, and that was it. You know, it was done and dusted. And yeah. but at least there were some goals in it, and at least it was actually an open match. You know, they, they were playing both to win, which made a big contrast from uh, the previous two finals. But I don't know. I just didn't enjoy. It. I, I couldn't get on with the fact that I was having to watch football at nine o'clock in the morning, mm. and that it was all over by sort of two o'clock in the afternoon. It just just didn't feel right and and no. i didn't think it was a particularly memorable tournament either it just kind of came and went really there was i don't know nothing stand yeah. out for me i mean thinking back there's like you say the south korea's progression the fact that turkey got into the into the semis um and then obviously turkey then beat our uh england's previous record of um goals 27 seconds yeah because what was it turkey scored about 15 or something it was about eight, then, wasn't it? It was only about eight. So I was of, funny thing is, I thought it was eight. Then I thought no, it can't have been eight. No. But yeah, and that was it. Was in the third place playoff, <laughs> I think. And it's just like you know, so there were actually quite a few good moments from it. But as a tournament overall, I just it left me cold. So yeah, I'm a so bit that, yeah that yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel the same way a bit. Really, it sort of yeah, it sort of dribbled on a bit. But um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't really a classic. There was some good games, but not a bit uneven quality. I think. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, on to Deutschland in 06. Deutschland? Deutschland. Yeah. Um, Would you like to kick off? Yes, I will. Uh, the one thing that I've mentioned again is, is, like I say, it's a concept rather than an actual incident. It's just the, the openness of it all. The, it felt very much like uh, a very... Uh, I think a lot of teams there were playing to win. I didn't I didn't feel like it was... It felt like a very positive World Cup. I was, I was really looking forward to the World Cup and I, I, it left me with a lot of positive memories of it because uh, hmm. I think some of the you know over time people have got so worried about um, losing that they just kind of were really hesitant and I think it probably with the, the opening match with Germany Costa Rica when they won 4-1 it was just like and I think Germany themselves seem to be like a rejuvenated side and, and okay they hmm. didn't make it to the final but they just seem to be really playing a really open and, and free sort of way and I think Klinsmann was in charge of them at the time and he'd really given them a, a sense of style. It was like, you know, almost like we'd never seen them play like that before because they'd always been very methodical and kind of, you know, workmanlike. But they were suddenly playing with this really open, attractive football. And I, I just remember finding it, you know, really, really great to watch. And I think they continued that. Um, I think they were the same at Euro 2012 under um, Philip Lahm. Yep. And I just remember watching them just thinking, no, they're actually a really nice team to watch. And I think there was a lot of teams like that. It, it didn't strike me as a very negative World Cup. Um, mm. That said, my second one, um, and I actually just thought of another one as well. Uh, I was going to say there's the, just before I come on to my actual second one, there was, of course, the, the match between, oh, who the hell was it? Holland and Portugal. When about, oh, yes. Eight, when about 28 players got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, a free-for-all. It just descended into fast. I just remember there was there was a, a Portuguese <laughs> player and a Dutch player. I can't remember who they were. And they'd both been sent off and they just sat next to each other on the steps and they were just sort of chatting as if to say, what the hell just happened? You know, both yeah. of them, because I think both of them had got sent off for some bizarre reason or something. And they were both just sitting there talking to each other and incredibly just like, why are we here? You know, it's just <laughs> insane. But the actual the one that I have uh, listed was the Argentina-Germany punch-up, which happened oh, yes. at the end of their quarterfinal. Um, when <laughs> Forgot Germany, about that. It was Germany that got through, wasn't it? Yeah, Germany yeah. got through. And uh, all of a sudden, she turned into a massive brawl on the pitch. And I just remember one point. There was, I think, it was an Argentina player who literally sprinted about twenty yards, and and launched himself and punched some guy in the back of the head. 
So there's me going on about a nice, open, positive tournament, and then Germany and Argentina having a massive punch up on the pitch afterwards. But you know, it's just a kind of uh, not quite the, uh, the Battle of Bern, but yes, don't, don't forget, everyone, respect and fair play. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the message we want to convey. And I'm just sure as I meant the Battle of Santiago, not Bern. That's a different country entirely. No, well, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> the same thing, you know, same thing. A World Cup fight, you know. Uh, and then my my final one is just just Italy's kit because uh, I, I uh-huh. absolutely loved it. And it was it was kind of what got me back into buying football shirts, so possibly not a good thing actually, <laughs> considering <laughs> the vast amount of money that I've pissed up the wall on shirts in recent <laughs> years. But hey, I need to at least I managed to make a book out of it all. Still available you if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice it is too. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, no, that that was a lovely Italy kit actually. Yeah, I agree. Tremendous that was. Um, anyway, yeah, so um, my 2006 choices, um, I have gone for, first of all, Joe Cole's goal against Sweden, which was just tremendous. So, again, one of those kind of goals you just sort of think, England don't score goals like that. Basically, mm-hmm. um, a defender heading the ball clear uh, from, the pen- from his own penalty area. And at that point, <coughs> Joe Cole isn't even in shot. He's not even on the screen. He's actually off the bottom of the screen. And then he just kind of lands on his chest. He just takes the sting out of it on his chest just like wallops it straight back to the goal on, on the volley you think bloody hell that was good um so yes that was a, that was um, my first choice the second choice um, a much more um what shall we say technically crafted goal we might say but no no less uh, better off for it but, um argentina's 26 pass goal against serbia uh which was finished off by a cambiasso i think it was uh i just remember seeing that thinking that's just amazing i know people sort of said um, Serbia didn't really ever bother kind of <laughs> trying to get the ball off of Argentina at any stage during that thing. But you can say that about a lot of these, like Maradona's goal against England and Saida Wairan and all that sort of thing. It's easy to be sort of critical, but didn't, I think they, it was just the... didn't they actually finish 6 0 or something that match? I think they did, yes, yeah. And I think I think they were already about 4 0 up at the time, so I could understand yeah. why they weren't putting much effort in at that point. Oh, I know, yeah. Just... But the other thing as well, I think, is that the, just the calm and very sort of polished way that Argentina were just playing the ball around and biding their time it was I think it was easy for Serbia just to get lulled into that sort of thing of like oh well nothing's going to happen <laughs> for not for a while yet anyway and then the next thing you know it's just that they're kind of getting near the penalty area and and I don't think it was even mentioned until after the goal was scored actually like did you realize how many passes that was and then one sort of suddenly went oh yeah <laughs> and it was just incredible really really good Good goal, passing teamwork sort of goal actually, um, and then um, um, I've gone for um, I'm not sure if I've got this in the right walk. I might have mis- t- typed this in the wrong area. I'm just going to very quickly check this before I make a fool of myself. <laughs> no, um, have I? Uh, yes, I think I have. I've written down <laughs> Uruguay versus Ghana, which was the last World Cup, of course, 2010. <laughs> so that's not going to be my last choice for 2006. What's going to be my last choice for 2006? Hmm, let me think. Um, he says on the floor. I, don't, I actually can't remember. Um, I just, I think, I, I, what I'll go for, I know this is a bit of a cop-out, but it's exactly what you said. It's just the fact that it was overall just like positive, um, a positive vibe. Like there, was, there were great goals going in right from the start of the tournament. Really tremendous, like long-range shots and all of that malarkey. I know there's all the usual flim-flam talked about of the football being sort of, you know, flies over the crossbar and da, 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 all that kind of stuff. But in spite of all that, it was just some. There were some great goals, and I think that kind of set the tone, as you said. So 
I'll I'll make that my third choice. Just the fact that it was a good positive vibe. It was a good good World Cup generally, actually. Two right. Hmm? Two right. Two right. Sorry. Yes. Especially after the boringness that was Japan South Korea. <laughs> well, yes. If you actually, must, I'll stop. Yes. I'll stop doing that World Cup down because actually there was, like I say, when you look back at that World Cup, um, there was actually, to be fair, a lot of excitement in it because, like I say, you had teams like Turkey, South Korea, and even America doing really well. So. There was actually a lot to celebrate about that, but I still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And so Major we come point. to our so we come to our last World Cup to have happened thus far until about twenty days from now, uh, South Africa two thousand and ten. Um, yes. And I'll go first on this one. Right, John. Um, the first thing that I've noted down was that for a while it was the first time I would say since probably nineteen ninety four that we actually had a decent theme tune. <laughs> and I don't mean the official World Cup anthem. I mean on one oh, of the no. TV sides. Those uh, are never And that good. was uh, the ITV one, mm. um, which I've that just forgotten the blooming name of. That's really no, I can't because I absolutely loved that theme tune because uh, oh. it was a proper. It was obviously a proper, you know, South African um, song, and but it was also a really, really positive, upbeat song. And I think that mm. I think since Pavarotti, who to me just ruined World Cup songs for a long time because everybody there after that after Pavarotti and the success of Ness and Dorma the BBC kept going on the classical route so I think we had yeah. um, Pavan's for, for, for Vore, France it's called. yeah and on all that and it was just like it got really boring and then ITV rocked up with this one and it was great it was just such a positive happy theme tune and every time it came on I, it made me feel good it made me feel good about the World Cup and it was like I really enjoyed it. So it to me, it set the, the sort of tone for the World Cup perfectly. Um, it's just a shame that obviously being in South Africa's winter, everything was dark instead of sunny. And I, I couldn't quite get used to that because it was like, it was like, it's summer, it's South Africa. It's all going to be, oh no, it's, it's dark, isn't it? Because it's winter time. It's like, yeah. you know, even the matches that kicked off at five o'clock were soon dark. So like, this is a bit weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the theme tune was great. Um, secondly, I've got the rise of Uruguay. Um, which, despite mm. the the, cir- the controversial circumstances that obviously Ghana went out in, because actually I could also say the rise of Ghana as well. Um, mm. But I obviously Uruguay used to be, and I'm talking a long time ago, a, a bit of a footballing powerhouse because obviously having yeah. won the first World Cup, um, and and actually even before the World Cup, having watched the nineteen uh, the bizarre fifteen minute nineteen thirty World Cup feature that BBC had on yesterday. Um, I hadn't realised that they'd won, I think, the previous two Olympics as well, uh, yeah, prior yeah. to the World Cup. So they were actually a really good team. And it was just nice to see them sort of being, you know, almost like back on the world stage. And uh, despite the fact that it ended up with Suarez and his handball, you know, although, again, I, I dare anyone else not to do that if your team's about to go to mm-hmm. the World Cup, you know. And again, as I always said, if that had been England that had done that, it'd have been lauded as a hero, as Suarez was back in his home country, you know. Yes. But anyway, that's enough about that. <clears throat> Um, but I was just glad to see them them sort of back as a, as an actual footballing force, and obviously uh, it wasn't they they weren't being really negative as well because Uruguay came to be known for being really really sort of you know fouling and negative and and but at this they weren't you know and Diego Forlan scored a couple of cracking goals and and obviously Suarez you know despite what he did he was still a great footballer. It's just like I I was just really glad to see one of the old greats sort of back mm. again. Um, yeah. And I think my, yeah. my third memory I've got was Holland beating Brazil, which I think was the quarterfinal. 
uh-huh. purely because nobody saw it coming. Because Brazil seemed to be on top of everything. And the next thing is Holland had banged in this guy. I think it was a, like a fairly long-range goal or something. Mm. And it was just like, where the hell did that come from? You know. And the next thing is like Brazil almost looked like utter panic because they hadn't considered that they were going to lose. And yeah. it was. I remember that distinctly. They then just looked completely lost. And they just looked absolutely shell-shocked and couldn't come back from it at all. And I just remember thinking, Haha, that's really funny, you know, because they clearly had this belief that they were going to win. And as soon as Holland made it 2-1, they were just, they hadn't got a clue what to do and, and just fell apart. And yeah. I think they spent the rest of the match trying to kick the crap out of Holland. Ironic, <laughs> you know, considering that's what Holland did to Spain in the final. <laughs> There's a bit of previous there. I remember Holland Brazil seventy four. That turned out into a big punch up. Actually, that was kind of you know, Cruyff basically just taking the piss out of Brazil for about ninety minutes. And uh, yes, that had a similar outcome too. I seem to recall. Yes. So, what were yours for South Africa, Chris? Well, I, I'm, I sort of struggled a bit for South Africa because um, at the time I was where I was working. It I, by the time I got home from work because it was quite a way away from where I lived. It meant I was kind of missing large chunks of matches. So it was one of those World Cups where you have a bit of a disconnect, really. But um, surprisingly, I've gone for uh, Ghana versus Uruguay in the first one. I don't, and it may come as a bit of a surprise to you, I know. Um, but um, yeah, it's just I, I remember where I was um, when I was watching that, and um, it's people that if you're if you're a football blogger. Uh, then chances are you may have heard of the Socrates football bloggers and podcasters um, meetups. And these are kind of chance, uh, occasional um, things going on in London at a, a fixed venue where you can get along and, and meet other bloggers and podcasters in a football sense and you can have a chat and talk about football and blogging and stuff. And um, our good friends Terry DeFellon, Graham Sibley, um, chiefly um, organise those events from time to time um, usually somewhere in the London area. And there was one of these events on that particular night, and they, there's usually a, a TV fixed up. It's usually a big room. Um, people usually standing around with bottles of beer, swigging, and, swigging away and talking and stuff. But there's usually a TV in the corner showing football. It just by coincidence that these, these things often happen, I think, on the night of a big match. Actually, probably not by coincidence, now that I come to think of it. Anyway, and, and this game was on, Ghana versus Uruguay. And I just remember as the night went on, the, there was less of a tendency for people to talk to each other than uh, and it became more like looking at the TV out the corner of your eye and, and people being a bit distracted by what was going on because this match was clearly uh, uh, turning into a real classic and when you had the, the climax at the end everything that happened and the penalties and the handballs on the line and all that sort of thing it, the, the atmosphere in the room was just electric it was amazing real fond memories of that night it's just, it, was a, it was one of those things you think I will remember where I was for years to come um, so that was a great game um, England versus USA I've gone for just, just to prove that I can be balanced in my views of England just because I just remember thinking this is, this has got to be one of the worst England performances I've ever seen. I mean, literally right from kickoff, I think that whoever kicked off for England they actually misplaced the pass and it went straight to a bloody American player. And you think, okay, that's what we've got ninety minutes of, is it? That's what we've got to look forward to. Um, and it was just, it was just appallingly bad. And and you sort of, it's one of those low points. You think we've geared up for four years for this, for the chance to see England in another World Cup, and now you go and play like that. And it was just it was just staggering, bewildering lack of technical ability 
on the part of each of the you know, these are players like you know Rooney, Lampard, Gerrard, I mean, you know, all these household names, and you think, why is it suddenly you can't pass to each other? I mean, let alone scoring goals, you just can't even pass to each other. Um, so that but was it, a, that a, said though that match did have a nice advert for Kia stuck right in the middle of it. Did it? <laughs> yeah, just just as Gerrard scored his goal. Oh yeah, <laughs> for those for those watching in HD on ITV, yeah, we had a nice advert for Kia that suddenly popped up in the middle of the match, just as Gerard was entering the box, and just after the advert finished, he'd scored. Thanks, ITV. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. Yes, I didn't yes, have HD at, at the time. Yeah, because at that point, we weren't expecting to score that many goals in the World Cup, so we missed the one that actually happened. <laughs> so that was just a bit of a kind of a really miserable one, one of those really miserable performances you just think, oh, God, that's got to be the bottom of the yeah, you know, the ba- bottom of the barrel we've reached there. Well, I don't um, know, because then we, then we played Algeria. Well, that's right, yes, that there's the more of that to come. Yeah. Um, and then just the other one was, strangely, it's kind of portent of what was to come later in my life, which is just, I remember going out on a Sunday early afternoon shopping with my wife, which is something I didn't do, <laughs> I don't don't tend to make a habit of on a Sunday um, afternoon, if I can help it, but we'd gone to this local kind of shopping centre, shopping mall, and um, I remember... My wife had gone off to buy a coffee or something, and I was sort of sitting there waiting for it to come back, and sort of thought I'll just check, see what the results are of uh, from, you know the World Cup, and seeing that um, New Zealand had drawn one-one with Italy, and I just thought, <laughs> what? <laughs> that's that's just Italy again, isn't it? It's pulling the pin again on their on their hopes of winning anything in a World Cup. What is that all about? And um, and you know, famously in these parts at least, you know, New Zealand got through to the end of their campaign. They didn't qualify for the next round, but they got through three games, unbeaten, drew all three, which by New Zealand standards is pretty miraculous. And it was just a big deal. And um, and it kind of makes me smile. But I just remember kind of checking my phone and thinking, Italy have just drawn 1-1 with New Zealand. Couldn't even beat New Zealand. I'm sorry, I didn't, shouldn't have said that so loud. And there's people probably nearby that might have heard me say that. Um, <laughs> but it was just it was just a kind of strange, strange moment. Another one of those surprising results. And many of these things are. Didn't didn't New Zealand finish that tournament the only team unbeaten? Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, uh, Scotland syndrome, I believe they call it. <laughs> uh, on that, on that pregnant pause. <coughs> Excuse me. So I was, I was just considering my roots again. Um, yeah. Right. Well, I suppose I suppose we better. Actually, do you know what? We've been going for ages on this podcast. Already. I know. Yeah, let's, let's see. We've already it's a long already one. hit. Oh, it's it's one hour twenty minutes so far, and we haven't got to the to the comments yet. So we'll have to rattle through these. Although there are a few points I wanted to go on about. So, um, yeah, we've had, uh, like I say, a phenomenal response as usual. So thank you, yeah. everybody, to, for thank all you. your comments. Uh, we'll rattle through some of them. Uh, Yotak, uh, or the Yotak Phoenix on Twitter, just says, 1970, that save, Gordon Banks, that tackle, Bobby Moore, that goal, Carlos Alberto. That pretty, well, pretty much sums it up there. That's all we need to know, isn't it, really? Yes, <clears throat> probably had uh, characters left over on Twitter from his 140 that he had. Well done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, Lee Footy Kit Tatum, uh, Live for Footy Shirt, says World Cup 98, Chile leading 2 1 with two goals from Salas. Uh, Baggio, an 85th minute penalty, 2 2, gutted, but that was the day I became a Chile fan. I remember watching that and felt exactly the same, actually. I was gutted <laughs> that Italy had equalised. Uh, World Cup 94, Diana Ross missing that penalty, and he's put a hashtag <laughs> Dirty Diana. <laughs> uh, and World Cup 98, Owen's solo goal. My nearly blind Nan's boyfriend saw that one okay with a hashtag He can see what he wants to. <laughs> Selective sight. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, James Quigley on Twitter as well. Um, hello, James. He says uh, France 98, best moments. 
Owen solo goal, uh, Laurent Blanc golden goal against Paraguay. That was the first golden goal, of course. And uh, the Ronaldo mystery before the final, which I certainly remember. I remember the sight of seeing John Motson in his commentary box because I think um, on the BBC they sort of said, oh, there's this story emerging and we're going to go to John Motson who's just been handed a bit of paper and so they kind of stuck a camera and pointed it up at him in, in his commentary box and he had to kind of read out, oh, I've just been given this bit of paper and so on and so on. <laughs> Uh, you get the picture. I do, yeah. Um, the Football Pink uh, says, Italian 90, top three ranks, Rijkaard and Voller. Of course, the old <laughs> flobbing in the hair incident. Uh, beautiful. Uh, the Cameroon triple assault on Kanija in the first year. That was hilarious, that was. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I liked Kanija, but, you know, I think it was Benjamin Massing that got sent off for mm. that. And uh, I think we touched on that last time, is the fact that um, yes. I think Kanija ended up in Rosette and... <laughs> And, and massing, I think uh, it was quite funny because it like one of the one of the players' shoes came off, and it looked like it was Kanijas at first, and then you realised it was actually the guy that tackled Massings. him, <laughs> tackled him so hard his own shoe fake flying off. And, and uh, the referee and, basically sort of said, "Just get your boot on, <laughs> come on." <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Once you've put that on, you can get off the pitch. Yeah. Uh, and his final one is uh, Lineker saying, "Have a word with Gaza." Yeah. Yes, obviously, when Gaza started blubbing his eyes out. Um, uh, CK, uh, also known as Ephemeral Joy, it says Italian ninety. From start to almost finish, uh, the final was an anti-climax, and then he's put in brackets, I may have ignored what you asked us to do here. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did ask for three memories from one <laughs> World Cup, but um, if it's any consolation, CK, uh, you're not the only one who did that, So, uh, but well done anyway. <laughs> um, John Walker, uh, he's contacted us via Twitter, and he says, Notorious moments, the Rijkaard Vola spitting incident again. Uh, a pretty well-defined spit it was too, he said. Uh, trying to get onto the pitch at USA 94... Big Jack going mental. So those are his three choices. Thank you, John. Um, and um, I'll do the next one. Uh, Jamie, who's uh, gone for Mexico 86. Box goals. Yeah. Um, the sexy Danes and their kit. I'm waiting for another yay for that one. <laughs> well, I, 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 that was implied. Or in yeah. Fair, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the USSR versus Belgium game, which is another one of those ones where just goals flying in and you can't quite predict who's going to win. So, yeah, good choices, Jamie. Thank you. And then uh, James Wellham says, France 98, Bergkamp goal, yeah, which we've mentioned, the Owen oh, goal, yes. which has been mentioned, yes. and that Moroccan lad lobbing Jim Leighton. <laughs> yeah, now, I had, well, yeah, I had to remind myself what that was. It wasn't the, the, the greatest lob in the world. It was because Jim Leighton actually got his hands to it, but it just kind of flicked through his fingers. But the guy who did it was um, Abdel Jalili Haddo, just uh, for reference purposes, just in case you uh, wanted to claim two points for knowing that one. <laughs> I, I, I remember the second name. I don't remember the first part of it. <laughs> Hadda, yeah. Yes. Uh, Ian McDougall says uh, Mexico 86, Strachan uh, scoring versus West Germany. Uh, and obviously, then after that, when he tried to get, jump over the hoardings but realised he was too small <laughs> um, <laughs> and just put his leg up instead, uh, he said the strange shadow thing over the centre circle. And his third one, he's just written Josimar. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's funny, actually, so we talked about this shadow thing. Um, I think I might have been told at the time what it was and obviously you said it's a like a speaker system thing um I was watching another clip recently from Mexico 86 where the commentator says oh it was it wasn't at the Azteca it was another ground where they had a similar thing not quite as big a shadow being cast and the commentator sort of says oh you know we've been um uh, getting letters from viewers asking us what this shadow is on this pitch and he says and it's the tannoy system uh, which kind of tallies up obviously with what you were saying rich and um I read something just today, actually, just by way of research. Somebody said, yes, it's the tannoy sort of uh, suspended, but then they also attached things to it to make it look more sort of spectacular as a shadow in the middle of the pitch. So that's kind of apparently why they did it. I don't know if you know that. 
I didn't. Brilliant. Yeah, there you go. But, but I, I do know that Tannoy is a brand name, and uh, you meant public dress system. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's my. That's not um, Alan Partridge reference for you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yes, uh, but, uh, and the last one we had from Twitter. Sorry, I think I just talked over you there, Chris. Yeah, never mind. No, no, no. Uh, on this day, ninety-one says nineteen seventy-four in Germany, uh, Scotland being unlucky, uh, Poland, Yugoslavia, and Holland being like Brazil, and <laughs> Haiti's goal against Italy. Yes, very good. It's, but I think that's the only choice we've had from seventy-four. But uh, yeah, I appreciate so, yeah. that. It's, it's very good. Good points. Uh, yeah, Poland, Yugoslavia, and Holland, brilliant as they as they were, and you know, Lato and all that. I seem to remember Lato and um, Casimir's Dana, once of Man City. Anyway, I digress. Or before my time. <laughs> yeah, slightly before mine, but um, yeah, I've read books. Um, so, <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of comments as well on our Facebook page, starting with uh, one from Jeff Waddell. Hello, Jeff. Uh, he's gone for 1982. He says, best Brazil team not to win it. Goes without saying. Uh, his first choice is David Neri's goal for Scotland against Brazil, which, of course, I selected as well. Uh, choice number two, Italy against Brazil, the group game, which, of course, is an absolute acknowledged classic. And thirdly, West Germany against France, semi-final, and that shoulder brush from Schumacher. I think, if you don't mind my saying, Jeff, I think calling it a shoulder brush <laughs> slightly say. undersells it. Just a bit. <laughs> but thanks, Jeff. Uh, Kun Wa Chung says, uh, I still can't decide which is the best tackle of all time. Bobby Moores against Brazil in 1970 or Benjamin Massing against Argentina in 1990. Both perfect. <laughs> in their own <laughs> for way. For different reasons, yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Brian Brown, uh, he's gone for Jack Charlton's rant at USA 94 as his first choice. Jerry Armstrong's goal in Spain 82, of course, classic and uh, always will be certainly amongst Northern Ireland fans if nobody else and uh, Roger Miller proving that age is just a number uh, it's just a shame Brian nobody knows what that number is but I take your point <laughs> ranging between 4 and 89 <laughs> and 104 <laughs> exactly uh, Wayne Garcia said Kanija taken out versus Cameroon in the opening 1990 World Cup game that seems to be a lot of people's yes. favourites <laughs> Kanija flying across the pitch <laughs> you're all um, sick Exactly, yeah, but it was funny. Uh, France versus Brazil, quarter-final game. France go through classic match where Platini missed a penalty on his birthday, as pointed out in the commentary on here. It was, yeah, his 30th Mm. birthday, as noted by Michael Caine in Hero. And that was a bad (laughs) mental game question. And Bulgaria beating Germany with Lechkov pulling the strings. That's from 94, I take it. Yeah, that was was a good match. That was. Very good game, yes. Uh, Steve Coe says, uh, My absolute favourite World Cup highlight ever was a match from 1994, Spain versus South Korea. <laughs> Spain go 2-0 up. Korea are written off by the commentators on UK TV. And he says they even start making fun of them as the game winds down. He said, oh, I found it all rather jingoistic <laughs> and mean. Then we entered the 85th minute. And for those of you who don't know what happened next, basically South Korea scored the first of what turned out to be two goals in the last five minutes, and they uh, leveled the match 2-2. Yes, a, a classic end to a game. Thanks very much, Steve. Uh, Dean Vincent says, 1982 for me, my first experience of watching that magical Brazilian team against the Soviet Union, uh, Eder's goal, is it Eder or Eder? Eder. A, a, oh, Eder. I don't know, <laughs> old goal. song, Eder, you were the stars in your eyes. I think it was, anyway, no, never mind. Okay. Um, says, his goal was simply breathtaking uh, and I think you've added the note here Chris uh, Isidoro's yeah. pass Falcao uh, allows it to go through his legs and Eder flips the ball up and hits it on the volley with the outside of his foot from outside the penalty area 
Uh, Dean's second choice was uh, Algeria beating Germany and then Trezor's goal in that incredible France-Germany semi-final. Mm, the overhead kick that was, yeah, the Trezor yeah. one, brilliant. Um, yeah, I nearly actually very came came very close to picking that uh, Adair goal. Was, that was just tremendous. But there's so many brilliant um, uh, Brazil goals in, in the 82 World Cup, some of them against Scotland. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> we also had... Uh, uh, via our website uh, a comment from uh, Victor Ray also known as Victor M. Ray um, he says uh, 2002 World Cup uh, the penalty missed by Valeron against Ireland uh, he said I thought we were going to be defeated we being Spain just in case you didn't know that <laughs> Victor is Spanish uh, 2006 final he said the header I think you mean head butt uh, <laughs> from Zidane to Matarazzi of course an absolute classic moment and uh, finally, he said the 2012 final, Iniesta's goal at 116 minutes, which obviously clinched the uh, the World Cup for Spain. So thank you, Victor. Uh, Russ Harper from Worcester. Uh, it's got Villa written after it. Um, uh, number three, Peruvian rush goalie versus Poland in 1978, which uh, Chris has noted uh, was Ramon Quiroga. A foul on... Oh, I'm not going to read Gre- uh, Gregor's Lato. Gregor's Lato conceded six against Argentina, and he was born in Argentina. Yes, yes, so. he ran the he ran the full length of his own half. He got he actually went into the opposition's half of the field just to uh, foul Lato. And in I, the, I of course, these days he, was, that, he goes straight off red card. But in those I've days, seen, I seem to remember on that clip as well. He then backs away very slowly, kind of putting his hand up, going, uh, "Sorry," you know, kind yeah. of just backs away into his own goal, skipping backwards. It's just quite. It is a bizarre sight, really. And like you say, <laughs> he he stayed on the pitch, and yeah, as well, you know, that's a bit of a. Well, it was it was the junter and everything. So, yeah. uh, number two, French le chicken or <laughs> on, uh, le poulet on the pitch versus Canada in '86. I remember that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, middle of the night, and Papin scored. Uh, number one, Gaza versus Holland, 1990. A complete basket case nowadays that saddens the heart of anyone who witnesses golden three weeks in Italia. Uh, you could pick something quirky or obtuse, but it's hard to forget how magical it was to see a Mars bar-loving Geordie make a mug of Hullet. So it was, yes. And thanks for the kind words as well, Russ, about uh, yes. the fact that you stumbled on our site and everything and that uh, you're enjoying what you see. So thank you for that. Um, Kenneth Bond has uh, given us a couple of memories. He says, eating a beef... I might <laughs> mispronounce this. A beef... Kubide plate at a Kurdish restaurant on my lunch break and seeing Landon Donovan scoring against uh, Algeria in South Africa 2010. He said I didn't have much of an interest for football. And then second one, he's got soccer in a South Californian accent. Uh, he said I was in Nashville working. 2010 was a hot summer in Tennessee, he said, but I started to follow it afterwards. And that's the main thing. So that's good news. Exactly. Kenneth, thank you for, for getting in touch with us. See, World Cups bring people together with football. Oh, yes. um, and the last one we had, we we via email. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, Andrew. Uh, but a, a, a what is practically an essay from Andrew Rockall. Yep. Uh, he says, uh, "This is the hardest thing I've ever done," which I can only assume means you've had a very easy life, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "I have two moments from five World Cups, but can't nail down a decent third one from them. So I'm going to give you one game that had almost everything: great goals, great play, great players, and a double dose of controversy that led to led to the clarification of the laws." Um, actually, I'm going to read all this because it's quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, it says, It happened five days before my 12th birthday, and I will, I will never forget it. I'm sure I've read that Motti lists it among the greatest games he's commented on. Uh, and it was the... I'm just going to tell you because he didn't actually mention it. It was the Brazil versus France uh, quarterfinal from 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, first half goals from Careca and Platini were a mere toaster for the action to come. Zico, coming off the bench, played a sumptuous through ball for Branco, who was pulled down in the box by uh, French keeper Joel Batts. 
Zico took the spot kick, but his effort was saved by Bats. The game went into extra time, and the pace slowed due to the extreme heat in Guadalajara, but France substitute Bruno Ballon sprung the Brazilian defence and had half the pitch to himself, with only Brazilian goalie Carlos to beat. Now, I remember this happening, and it was mm. unbelievable at the time. Um, I'd forgotten it, yeah. Oh, like I said, I remember it very, very clearly. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Ballon broke free, but a, co- uh, a covering defender had now caught up and cleared the ball. Um, oh, sorry, I've missed a bit, <laughs> missed a bit out there. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. I don't uh, need Carlos to beat. sprung the Brazilian defence and had the half the pitch to himself with only Brazilian goalie Carlos to beat. He knocked the ball around Carlos, now three yards out of his area, and the keeper grappled him to the ground with both hands. Uh, Ballon broke free, but a covering defender had now caught up and cleared the ball. Brazil almost scored from the breakaway. The French were incandescent. How had Romanian referee Aouan Igna uh, not blown for a foul and issued the inevitable red card? And like I said, I remember that actually happening and yes. just could not believe it. He didn't even get booked for it either. And, yeah, no. and I think the funny thing is that I seem to remember Carlos um, did exactly the same thing as Quiroga had done and kind of backed mm-hmm. away, putting his hand up, going, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you know, yeah. kind of just uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and so Andrew goes on. He says, so it come down to penalties to separate these two greats. Zico netted in the shootout, but Platini was to miss, as, as mentioned on his 30th birthday. Uh, the next controversial moment happened when Bellon's penalty rebounded off the post, hit the Brazilian keeper's back and bounced into the goal. Again, the referee gave the goal despite Brazilian protests and France went on to win. In the yeah, following year, before, the laws were clarified. I have, yeah, were clarified to support Igna's decision, but at the time he was in the wrong. And that is simply because the ball has to continue its forward momentum. It's not allowed mm. to actually, once it's actually gone forward, if it comes back at all, it's considered out of play. Yeah. And the funny thing was actually one of my friends posted a thing on Facebook the other day, which was, um, I've seen it before, it's a penalty where the guy takes it and it hits the bar and the guy mm. sort of collapses and turns round you know, on the floor and the yeah. goalie sprints off celebrating and what's actually happened is the ball's bounced up and then, due to the way it's spinning, bounces back into the goal. But as I pointed out, that technically wouldn't count anyway yeah. because it's come back off the bar. So it's like... It's, like, it's one of those things that like everyone goes, oh, this is amazing, because like, you know, he thought he hadn't scored, and then he did, but he didn't. So. But he didn't anyway, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So shut up. You know. uh, Andrew <laughs> then goes on to lich all the, mass stat- all the match stats, but I'm not going to read all those out. <laughs> no, but thanks anyway for getting in touch with us, uh, Andrew. As ever, we always uh, greatly appreciate your uh, input. And indeed, uh, for those of you who got in touch with us this time around, uh, as ever, a sterling job uh, filling in the gaps of our memories and uh, telling us about the things that stick out in your mind from the actual action from uh, previous world cups and uh, we you know we really appreciate getting your your messages and um, thanks very much indeed once again for that very much so yeah it's uh it's a like i say it's there's certainly a lot of things in there that you've you've mentioned that i, I actually forgot i mean i can't believe i forgot the, uh, the rykard and voller incident because that was that <laughs> well i yeah classic. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna pick it, and I just thought well, it was pretty <coughs> disgusting, to be perfectly honest. And I just yeah, thought everybody else is gonna pick it anyway, so I was kind of steered clear of that one. But yeah. And like I say, it's it's nice to see how many people regarded the near assassination of Kanija as <laughs> worth mentioning. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just didn't realise just how much sentiment there was about that guy. I, I, th- I think the funny thing about that is it was just so ridiculously over the top. There was no disguise that we're trying to tackle it. He literally got three people sliding into him. the last one was literally nearly killed him i think he's still spinning now isn't he <laughs> yeah he's got his own gravitational pull due to 
<laughs> it's a light aircraft that's dragged towards him. Uh, <laughs> anyway, on that note, I suppose we better go because how long have we been yapping on about this now? Um, Over an hour and a half. We do apologise, people. But hey, yes. it, you know, it's uh, if you're not used know, to long, long podcast by now, then yeah, from us, then <laughs> I was gonna say, if you're not used to like over an hour of talk of waffle, then you know. What are you yeah. doing here? <laughs> so it, it just goes to say, um, obviously, if you want to get in touch, obviously, there's there's always the blog, uh, thefootballattic.com. Uh, if you want to drop us a line for our email, there's always admin at thefootballattic.com. Um, or there's our Twitter, which I believe is at footballattic, or, of course, Facebook, which I... Is that The Football Attic? That's Chris, The Football Attic, yes. I thought it was, yeah. So The Football Attic on Facebook. And if you want to buy a kit book, <laughs> just said vlogging it at the last minute, um, <laughs> there's only about, probably about five or six left. Um, so, you know, get your order in. Yes, hurry, hurry, they're going like hotcakes. Yeah, and, and if you have said you want one and then you haven't responded to my emails, we have had problem with emails, or you might just be ignoring me because you've changed your mind. <laughs> I don't mind either way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, there's the last few of those. Um, and I think and that's about it. Anything else you wanted to say, Chris? Oh, just to add the fact that we're also on Square One Football Radio, seeing as um, I'm now in the habit of remembering that, having forgotten it several times. So uh, yes, do uh, do find us and many other decent podcasts at Square One Football Radio. But that's it. Indeed. Uh, so until next time, when uh, we might do the confessional one, or it might be another World Cup one. We're going to talk about World Cup films at some point. Uh, yes. But until then, it's goodbye from him, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>